Previously, the Infinity Stones were reborn and scattered, passing from hand to hand across the universe, through time, transgressing the boundaries between worlds. To protect the Power Stone, the Guardians and the Nova Corps face off against the Fraternity of Raptors and the Chitauri Army. Mid-battle, Rich Rider, aka Nova, had discovered that Talonar, leader of the Raptors, is none other than his long-lost brother Robbie. Elsewhere, Adam Warlock has been reborn, cast into the Clash of the Stones. He has found the planet safe, overrun, and infected by Ultron. Even worse, he discovered that Ultron has a special captive, the Silver Surfer. Welcome back to Resurrections and Adam Warlock and Thanos Podcast. I'm your host, Al Sedano, and this is part three of our Infinity Countdown coverage. So with me again to help me cover this Infinity Countdown is my brother Joe. Hey Joe, what's up? Hello. Apparently not much is up. <laughs> <laughs> how many parts are the how many parts is, is there gonna be? Five. Five parts, okay. So yep. we're this is the hump part. Yes. Yes. So yeah, this is the hump hump episode. We are going to cover Infinity Countdown number three, Infinity Countdown Captain Marvel number one, Infinity Countdown Daredevil number one, and Infinity Countdown Darkhawk number one. That was a really great segue you gave me. That was perfect. Thank you. You're welcome. That's why I'm here. And first up will be the first part, Infinity Countdown three, which let's give you the synopsis and stuff, and then we'll be back in just a minute or two to, to cover that. Infinity Countdown number three. Writer Jerry Duggan. Pencils Mike Diodato Jr., Mike Hawthorne, and Aaron Cooter. Inks by Mike Diodato Jr., Aaron Cooter, and Terry Pallet. Colors by Jordan Belair and Frank Martin Jr. Lettering by Virtual Calligraphy and Corey Pettit. Editors Annalise Bissa, C.B. Sabolsky, and Jordan D. White. Cover art Nick Bradshaw and Maury J. Hallowell. Cover dated June 2018. On sale date April 18th, 2018. For cover price of $4.99. It is reprinted in the Infinity Countdown trade paperback and digitally on Comixology and Marvel Digital Comics Unlimited. The Infinity Stones. Soul. Powered by the user's mastery of reality, can preserve the soul to allow for life after death. Currently held by Ultron. Mind, powered by the user's mastery of soul, can grant telepathy or intelligence, currently held by Turk Barrett. Power, powered by the user's mastery of mind, can make a person more physically powerful, currently held by Drax the Destroyer. Space, powered by the user's mastery of power, can allow teleportation through space, currently held by the Black Widow. Time, powered by the user's mastery of space, can allow a person to travel through time, Currently held by the Super Scroll. Reality. Powered by the user's mastery of time, 
can allow a person access to the multiverse currently held by Captain Marvel. On their own, the stones provide great power, but when combined, they form a circuit, a positive feedback loop granting the user infinite power. On the planet safe, Adam Warlock is able to free the Silver Surfer from Ultron's clutches. But instead of helping him defeat the maniacal robot, the Surfer leaves. Alone, Adam can only watch horrified as Ultron's rockets take off, each one heading to a different planet, taking with them in each enough of Ultron for him to infect and take over each planet, like he did with Safe. Back at the Power Stone, the Guardians and Nova Corps continue their battle against the Raptors and Chitauri. Warbringer of the Chitauri blows on their battle horn and offers anyone who wants safe passage to leave, but claims the Power Stone for himself. In the battle, Ant-Man is apparently killed, but actually he shrinks down just in time and is knocked out. He lands on the chest of a wounded Nova who's been airlifted out, so he's okay. And eventually the Novas are forced to retreat with the Guardians covering their escape against the Raptors. Severely injured, Talonar, aka Rich Rider's brother Robbie, is taken away by his fellow Raptors, but not before telling his brother that the stones are different now. It is mind over matter. Completely alone and now surrounded by the Raptors and Chitauri, Star-Lord asks Drax to take out his sacks and play them out. But then Nova, Rich Rider, shows up and tells him what his brother had told him. Using this info, Star-Lord is able to shrink the Power Stone down to handheld size. Now that it is a usable size, the Guardians pass the Power Stone back and forth to each other, using it to blast away their attackers and then escape. Out in space, we see where the Surfer has fled to. He did not run away. He went to find help. He went to find Galactus. In 2011, the irredeemable Shag and Aqua Rob Kelly teamed up to create the Fire and Water podcast. In 2016, they teamed up with Ryan Daly, the Franklins, and Siskoid to form the Fire and Water Podcast Network. A network built on teaming up needs a show about team-ups. Marvel Team-Up. Yes. The Brave and the Bold? You know it. Marvel 2-in-1. It's clobbering time. DC Comics presents. Of course. Supervillain Team-Up? Good idea. Youngblood X-Force? Mmm, technically. FW Team Up, coming this summer, only from the Fire and Water Podcast Network. And we're back. All right, Joey, Infinity Countdown number three. Yes. With Adam and the Surfer fighting on the cover. The Silver Surfer. Or the Yultron Surfer. Yeah. So I guess we'll start, well, it's kind of broken up in like four parts, really. Yes, it is. It's, you know, it, it's kind of nice that way. It doesn't jump back and forth. No, this stick with something. This whole, uh, series, every, all the comics are like that on yes. this, on the story. I like it. Yeah. I don't like it when they go back and forth. It's too confusing. Plus it makes it easy for reviewing this. Yes. And it makes it easy for me to write the uh, synopsis. Cause I don't have to go meanwhile over here, back over there. All right. Back there. <laughs> Yeah. So I guess we'll do the first part, which is the one-page little preview, you know, thing that not so long ago with the uh, dwarf. Yeah. Be- making something. Which really doesn't tell us much. No. What we knew before, he's making something and is forced to do it. He needs to eat. What do you think the odds are that he's going to be allowed to live? 
Um, I think I think he's gonna live. You do? Yeah. I, I mean, I know I read all of this in Infinity Wars, but I don't remember, so I have no idea. Huh. Well, I go on record saying he's gonna live. Well, I guess we'll find out. All right, so that's the first part. Live, live to get out of there. Like to live to be, yeah, out of that. Uh, Prison. He might die somewhere else, but he's not going to die here. Well, that's that's what I meant. He's not going to get... See, I was asking, like, you thought he was going to get killed, like, once he finished his job. It's like, you did your job. You're free. No, I mean, but, yeah, but that would be being killed there. Yeah. He might die somewhere else in the story. But he's going to get out of this dungeon. Yeah, he's going to get out of the dungeon. Okay. Well, we'll find out. Yeah. So our first part, then, is the Adam Warlock and Silver Surfer versus Yultron. And what planet are they on? How do you pronounce that? Safe? Uh, uh, let's see. Safe. S-A-I-P-H. Safe. Sife? Sife? Let's go safe. 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 Sure. Safe. Because it's not very safe. Yeah. Yoltron's a... Yoltron's a dick. You're saying Yoltron? Ultron? Ultron. Yeah. Yoltron. I like you're saying Yoltron. Yol, Yoltron. Yoltron. <laughs> well, there's a lot of him. Yes. So it's Yol. Yoltron. When there's one, it's Ultron. That's single. Yoltron's the plural. Yol. I like it. And yeah, he has the soul stone. I like his idea. Can we use this rock to bring back David Bowie? I don't understand what's with all the jokes on it. When did... Uh... Pimtron. He's actually Pimtron now, right? Well, yeah. I think that's the Pim part of him coming out. When did Pim make jokes? Like, he was funny, but, like, I mean, his the things he did was funny, but he wasn't a comedian. And these aren't good... These are really bad jokes. <laughs> and, and, like, did that... Did, this really threw me off, because I didn't understand what was going on here. I'm like, why is he being so silly? And then, like... Adam Warlock feels like he has to be the straight man, where he's like, it's not a toy! Damn kids! <laughs> Get off my lawn! Yeah. What's going on here? Well, That's throwing me off. To be fair, I mean, as much as Ultron always claimed to be a robot and perfect and everything, he's kind of cr- always been kind of crazy. Yeah, I, I got that. They always kind of made him be crazy, and he's got like a... I mean, he's got... Obviously, he's got feelings, you know? Like, he's always angry and like... And he's got a massive Oedipal Oedipal complex. Oedipal complex. Oedipal complex. Oedipal, yeah. You know, the one where you want to kill... The, the, the thing where the person wants to kill daddy and sleep with mommy? Yeah, yeah, he does have that. Because I, not only did he try and kill Hank Pym many, many, many times... He created, I don't know if you know the Avenger Jocosta. She's also a robot. Yes. Yeah. He created her to be his quote unquote bride using the mental patterns of Janet Van Dyne, the wasp. Who would be his technically, I guess you could say is in a twisted way, his mother. Not really, though. Well, but if his father's Hank Pym and they were married at the time, that would be mom. Yeah. He's not really his father either. Well, no, but you know what I mean. Yeah. But then, like, all right, but, like, really, like, okay, you kind of say it's a far reach to say that Hank Pym is the father. Because he's not the father. He didn't, like, you know, spread his seed and make, you know, he created him. But, okay, let's go but and say but that. But Ultron has always called him father. Yeah, so let's say that he created him. But Jan- 
Janet didn't do anything. No, but still, if that's his fa- if if he's crazy and thinks that's his father, then therefore the guy's wife is his mother. But they're not married. No, but at the time they were. Well, wow. I it still doesn't make up for him saying finders, keepers, losers, weepers. That really bothered me. Okay, so you're not a big fan of the his characterization with this. No, I was like, what is this guy doing? Why is he doing all this? And it, do you, you can control somebody with the soul gem, or is that a new thing? Um, I think it's because it's saying like you can use like manipulate their soul. Oh, okay. And I, but I don't think he's controlling the surfer. Well, he's somewhat controlling the surfer. But I think it's also what he's doing is he's forcing the surfer to like relive all the victims, you know, all the people he like Galactus to. Yeah. He's hearing the souls of all the people who have been killed by Galactus that the surfer led them to. And he's also forcing his face to look like Ultron's face. Well, I think he put that on him. Oh. I think that's robotic. I think that's just circuitry and stuff on top of him. Got it. It's kind of cool looking. Yeah. Yeah, because where's that part? In the beginning where it says what the stones stones do? Uh, It doesn't say it on here. But yeah, one of the... um, In that saga of the Infinity Stones... It says, you know, the soul can, like, you know, kind of manipulate the soul. So, like, if you take someone's soul and manipulate it, you can kind of make them evil or make them good if they weren't. Cool. Okay. Makes sense. So, I think he's doing a bit of both with the surfer, making him fight Adam. And that's pretty cool the way Adam uh, frees him. I like that. What does he do? He basically gifts the surfer with his cocoon. Oh, yeah. He cocoons him. Yeah. yeah. That worked out. Gives him a hap- Gives him a chance to basically be reborn, be healed. Because the Ultra, what, yeah. And what's Ultron's plan here? He wants to uh, send his rockets with all his little robots everywhere to kind of take over everything. Because he's a jerk. Yeah. And speaking of jerks, what does the surfer do when he's healed? He leaves. <laughs> that out. was funny. Yeah. He's like, you're in for it now. Me and the surfer are gonna wait. Where'd you go? Where'd you go? Jerk. That was good. Yeah. So that's the end of part two. So you're kind of okay with part two. It wasn't the best. But, you know, whatever. It's not the end of the world. It's still, the still so far the story is still good. Yeah. And it's, it's mainly the Ultron stuff, Ultron stuff you're not too thrilled with. The Adam Surfer part you're fine with. Um, or not. Like how they are used. Like you, obviously you have an issue with his comedy, but how about how the Surfer and Warlock are used here? Yeah, it's fine. Okay. That's what I, I thought so. I mean, I wasn't as bothered by the uh, Pimtron making the jokes, but you're right. I mean, dang it, maybe they're supposed to not be good. I just don't remember them, like, either one of them. And, I, you know, there's a million comics of them I didn't read, but I just don't remember them being like that. So it's like, what, what's going on? <laughs> maybe that's the yellow jacket part of him. That's true. You know about that, right? Do you know what I'm talking Yellow Jacket about? was like the the crazy one, right? Yeah, and he was like he was kind of telling jokes and like very arrogant and. There you go. You got it. yeah. You made a point. So maybe it's the Yellow Jacket part of Hank Pym that Ultron is kind of merged with. You're right because Hank Pym has like a bunch of personalities. At least one. At least two. I mean, he had a bunch of costumes, but the Yellow Jacket's definitely like an alternate personality because because when he was first Yellow Jacket, he thought he killed Hank Pym. Yeah. So that's obviously has issues. Well, I hope they go with that then. I hope this is the beginning of that. I want to see uh, I want to see Pimtron break down. Like, I want to see Ultron not be able to handle the 
a complex mind of Pang Pim. Now that would be cool. I want to see Ultron like this, Pimtron wearing the yellow jacket, like half the yellow, like the yellow jacket costume. Yeah, yeah. Let him see him do like have him become like messed up like Hank Pym. That would be cool. Yeah. That, oh, if they did that, that'd be awesome. Yeah. That's a good idea. I like that. All right. So part three, which is the Guardians and Nova versus the Chitari and the Raptors, which yes. is basically the big big fight part. Yeah. Fight, fight, fight. Because they're getting shot, as they're outnumbered and outgunned. And there's not as much amusing stuff as the other issue, where like where uh, Drax was killing everybody. But yeah, I do like the part yeah. with the, with Gamora when she's she jumps on the guy's back. She's on me. Check your fire. As his head flies off. Yeah. <laughs> and she's just like shh. And Warbringer has his war horn, which oh of yeah, course yeah, which there's a reason for. And Ant Man get Ant Man gets kicked out of the battle basically. I didn't get that whole Ant Man thing. What was going on there? Well, what do you mean? Because we oh, see. Oh, okay. Because he was exposed and he just jumped out there. Okay, I got it. Yeah, he's right. like Ant Man. You're really exposed right now. And then the blast. And they thought he. They think he's dead. Yeah. But he's he's knocked out and miniaturized. But he gets a, he's out. At least he's safe. Because you saw he landed on one of the Novas. Yeah. He's being carried out. Safer now. Yeah. I mean, they don't realize he's there. But yeah, safer now. And did you? I what like if that, that Nova died and they throw him out? I don't think they're gonna just throw him out. He'll get a proper burial at least, and they probably will clean him up and find the tiny person on him. What if they? Uh, what if they don't have time and they need to just uh, cremate him right away? I don't think that'll happen. What if he has a disease? He doesn't have a disease. How do you know? He looks diseased. He's green. He's an alien. Do you like the little alien? I think it's an aliens reference. What do you mean? In that panel, when they're carrying the uh, diseased Nova out. You think it's an alien reference from Aliens? When he says, "I think we should nuke the Power Stone from orbit." I mean, the only thing they're missing is the line. It's the only way to be sure. I mean, maybe it's just me, but that's the first thing I thought of when I read that. What was that in Aliens? Remember when the alien, but the part of aliens where basically everyone's being killed, and okay, you know, rip, you know, you know, and that guy's freaking out. Yeah. After and that, like, and the like, alien comes like they're trying to shut the door, and the alien's mouth is there, and the guy says, "Eat this," and he puts the shotgun in his face, and yeah, shoots. Okay. And they're like, uh, you know, he's like, we cannot destroy the Paul uh, Paul Reiser. Remember, still jerk is being the jerk. He's like, we can't destroy. This is an expensive facility. I say we take off and nuke the entire site from orbit. It's the only way to be sure. Oh, hold on, hold on one second. This installation has a substantial dollar value attached to it. They can bill me. Okay, look. This is an emotional moment for all of us, okay? I know that. But let's not make snap judgments, please. This is clearly clearly an important species we're dealing with and i don't think that you or i or anybody has the right to arbitrarily exterminate them come on yeah watch us hey maybe you haven't been keeping up on current events but we just got our asses kicked pal look i'm not blind to what's going on but i cannot authorize that kind of action i'm sorry well i believe corporal hicks has authority here Corporal Hicks is 
This operation is under military jurisdiction, and Hicks is next in chain of command. My right, Corporal? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Oh, Ripley. Yes. This is a multi-million dollar installation, okay? He can't make that kind of decision. He's just a grunt. I... No offense. None taken. Pharaoh, do you copy? Standing by. Prep for dust off. We're gonna need immediate evac. Roger. On our way. I say we take off. Nuke the site from orbit. It's the only way to be sure. Got it. Yeah. Okay. I don't remember that part, but I remember. I know. I don't remember that actual line. Well, listen to the episode because if I can find it, I'm putting a clip in. I remember uh, in Mad About You, one of the episodes yes. about they bring up the movie Aliens. <laughs> he's like, I never seen it. Yeah, he's like, what is it? He goes, you ever see Aliens? He goes, just the first one. Oh yeah, that was it. That was funny. Yeah, he was such a jerk in that movie. He's still cool. It was oh, so I know. He was Paul Reiser. It was good, but I mean, it was good, but he played a good jerk. But I mean, come on, yeah, he wanted to have the little jerk. girl die. Huh? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> she died anyway. Oh, she I died know. right away. The whole know, movie, was... she was trying to protect her. And, and then she like, just dies. She just dies in the plane or in the uh, spaceship. Don't remind me, I hate that. And the boyfriend dies too. Yeah, he's the one, the one that said that. Only way I should be sure. Oh, yeah. So everyone's evacuating. Yes. Well, the Novas are evacuating. Because whether they're going to nuke it from not, from orbit or not, it's like, uh, yeah, we're fighting everybody. We don't have time. We're, we're all dying. we got to get the hell out of here. They have to leave. But the Guardians are covering their retreat. So it looks like they're assuming the Guardians are going to die here. Really? Well, that's why he says, uh, thank you, Guardians. The Nova Corps will remember you as our brothers. Wow. I mean, if they're covering the retreat and the Gar- Novas are leaving in the ships and the Guardian ship, remember, got destroyed. Where are they going to go? Exactly. Do any of them fly? Drax can't fly. Gamora nope. can't fly. Well, Peter can fly. Can he fly into space? I don't know if that's just movie or not. Oh, in the movies he can fly in space? He can fly a little bit in space, yeah, and that mask helps him breathe briefly, but I don't know if that would give him enough to get to where he needs to go, you know? Might just yeah. be a temper. Might just be like a five-minute thing, like I can go out into space and fight, you know, shoot somebody for a few minutes and then come back in. Can they and, open the ships in the middle of space to let him in? If, I don't know, and I don't know even if they can, if he can get there in time. He's a terrible leader. Well, yeah. But, I don't even want yeah. to discuss it, like... Guys, what what do you guys think? Should we all die? I guess they know it's, you know, this is, they're not going to all die in the countdown to Infinity. Infinity. Yeah, well. But oh, that would make it cool, though. It would have been cool if they died. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because obviously they've been talking when, when uh, Gamora says, you're right, is leaving Nova back in. She says, "My, you know, we'll make our own way out of here. I'm sorry my force shield isn't powerful enough for you all. Oh, so who is he planning on taking? Her baby. baby? Yeah, her and the oh. baby. But that's it. She can't take, you know, there's not enough, you know, her force shield isn't power enough to take, like, five other people. Another reason why not to have a baby here. Because, oh, yeah. But then who else? she didn't have that baby. She couldn't take still five people. What? She couldn't One take One other five. person. Great. She's going to save Rocket, the dick of the group. <laughs> I'm sure Rocket would have appreciated it. Yes. If they said, all right, if... 
the Guardians of the Galaxy were going to this planet, right? They have to go. And they're like, listen, you're all going to die. Except, well, you know what? One of you could survive if that baby wasn't here. But the baby is here, so you're all going to die. Don't you think they'd be very upset about that? Like, the baby didn't have to be there. You know, somebody has to well, say, okay, on- you're going to this. You're we being, have- you are being, uh, how do they say it? Like, you're being... Uh, Assigned. Uh, signed. Yeah, I guess that's good. Well, You're being assigned to this planet. What planet are they on? It is not a planet. It's just a little planetoid that the uh, Power Stone's hanging up on. You're, yeah, you're being signed to this planetoid. planetoid. Well, remember, up until it was accidentally found out, because the, <clears throat> the raptors overheard them talking about it, they thought it was secret. So they didn't know anyone knew about it. It also depends on, since we haven't been reading the whole Guardian series, how shorthanded and how desperate are they? All right. Well, I'm yeah, making, I mean, what think do about you it. Think, if think about home, it. Don't, don't think about what do you think it really is. Do you think they that there's a reason why she, that pregnant girl, had to be on that planetoid? Planetoid? Planetoid. Planetoid? Planetoid. Toid, like T-O-I-D? Yes. Planetoid. Or do you think they just did it for the story? I don't know. I, it depends on how long she, how existing she's been well, pregnant, or is it is the pregnant just a brand new thing? Like, is she some like did they just throw this in here all of a sudden, or is that something that's been going on for nine months? Well, I'm gonna make my guess that it was done for the story. That's possible, and that there's no, there'll be no reason for it, not unless you decide to become a writer one day and just despite it to me. <laughs> You you decide to put a whole background story. I will, just to spite you. And you're like, damn it. Well then I'll then I'll admit that I'll admit something. What will I admit? Well you here. Well then I'll, you're then I'll, I was I'll, wrong. I'll fix it. I'll fix it right now. You know whose fault it is? Star Lord. Why? Well he's a leader. He decided that. So we're blaming him. He decided that they, uh... He decided to have her be there. He's like, you'd be a good idea to be here with us. And she's like, uh, okay. Are you making that up as a writer, or is that the reason why? I don't know, but sounds good, doesn't it? Yeah, well, if that's the reason why, then yeah, Star Wars, Star Wars really still suck. <laughs> You've said he's a bad leader, so let's put the bad, let's put all bad decisions on Star-Lord. Okay, I'll do that for now. It makes the story better. Make, makes the story work, but makes more sense now for things that you know are bad, and it fits anyway. Yeah, it does fit. There we yeah. go. Okay, so the planet toy is good. They're all evacuating, right? Is I'm getting yep. it right? And uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy are going to stay. Nova might survive with the baby, but that's about it. And they're going to do fighty McFighty with the uh, the Shatari. And the and Raptors. Warbringer and Shatari and uh, what's that guy's name? Talonar. Uh, Talonar and the Fraternity of Raptors. Yes. Which okay. brings us to Talonar and his brother. As Talonar is really, really hurt. He has the ability to heal, though, right? Who? Talonar? I don't is, know. Because, you know, after this, we read Darkhawk. Which is after this, and he's oh, yeah. fine. He well, fine. The question is: Is he? 
can he heal, or are we just saying alien medical technology? Oh, I thought you told me that the you might have said it was the other bands, but I thought he's got the the Nega no, band, right? Oh yeah, that that might be it. Maybe that's helping him heal. You're right, that might help him heal. But I mean, it depends. Remember this? I think he's kind of like more like his healing seems to be more like Wolverine's used to be. You know, where Wolverine would get hurt, but he would heal in a couple of days, as opposed to now where it's like drop a nuke on me and I'll grow back in five seconds. Yeah, like uh, sword to the heart, Wolverine. That Wolverine, Pry- or even more, or yeah. even remember. Um, yeah, that's from Kitty Pride and Wolverine, where it took him like a yeah. month or two to heal. Yeah, or remember uh, X Men the animated series. When he fights Sabretooth, when Sabretooth is pretending to like need Professor Xavier's help, and yes. Jubilee frees him, and then they go fight, and all, and Wolverine gets distracted by Professor X, and Sabretooth slashes him, and that's it. And then he's in the hospital, for, like he's out of commission for like, I mean, he's out from yeah. that one slash. Well, he was that's even, little... that was even worse than in the comics. Yeah. That was doing it for the story. We got to get rid of Wolverine. That's like having a character fight the Justice League, and he's never had it before, but all of a sudden, I've got Kryptonite. Yeah. All right, Superman's out. We're done. Yeah, th- that was that was weird, too. I never That never sat well with me. I'm like, what do you mean? He got cut. <laughs> he got, they're just fingernails. Anyway, okay. So, all right. So, sorry. <laughs> so, back with Robbie and Talonar. Yes. Well, Robbie's Talonar. It's Rich, Richard is Nova. Richard oh. and Robbie. Richard and Robbie. Okay. Richard, Robbie, Talonar, and Nova. Yes. These are a lot of new characters that I'm learning, so I'm trying to, like, actually Understood. say it over. Yeah. yeah. And Richard is the main, it was, like, generally 90% of the time, if Nova's in a Marvel comic, it's Richard. And the funny thing is, the one time I did read a Nova comic book, it wasn't Richard. It was, like, his son or something. No, no. Someone else's son. Sam. Sam Alexander. Sam's the Nova. If you ever watched the Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon, he's the Nova on there. Do you mean the 90s? No. no. Ultimate, Ultimate Spider-Man. The one with where it's like a team of like, they're all teenagers. It's Spider-Man, Luke Cage, Iron Fist. No, I didn't watch that one. Nova and White Tiger. I know which one you're talking about, but I didn't He's the Nova that. they use on there. He's the son of another Nova. But 90% of the time, like if you ever look at New Warriors... Where there's a Nova on that team? Son and Nova. You get yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> but yeah, if you ever read New Warriors, Richard is the Richard is the Nova on there. Oh, okay. Yeah, he was the one that used to date Namorita. Who's that? Namor's cousin. I didn't know Namor had a cousin. All right, where were we? <laughs> Robbie and Richard. Okay, he's looking for, and he finds... Richard and Richard is, I mean, Robbie and Robbie's all effed yep. up. up. It's because you got punched really hard. So the Raptors come to take Robbie away and help him. But Robbie, I like Robbie saying, he's like, there's something weird about the stone. It's like things, reality's different and the stone's different. It's mind over matter. It's just a simulation. But these aren't the ra- real Raptors, right? These are the fraternity of Raptors. Yeah, right? these are the Raptors. Yeah, because remember, this is still before the Darkhawk issue. Okay, so these are the fraternity raptors, the raptor yeah. wannabes. These are the wannabes. Yeah. So now we're back to the Guardians, and uh, yeah, that they're it's their last stand. This is that scene in uh, the second Lord of the Rings movie when they're about to all, you know, all the, they're about to all get killed. At the castle. 
Yeah, remember, like, they're surrounded and it's desperate. Like, they're about to die. It's like they know they're outnumbered. They know they're going to die. And who comes? Uh, Gandalf shows up with the army from that other country. Oh, okay. But that's, yeah. that's why he, that's why he, Aragorn convinces the king, we're going to, you know, let's ride out. You know, it's like, we're going to die. Let's go. Let's, let's charge them instead of waiting for them to charge us. Yeah. So much death. What can men do against such reckless hate? Ride out with me. Ride out and meet them. For death and glory. For Rohan. For your people. Yes. Yes. The horn of Helm Hammerhand shall sound in the deep. One last time. It's the best. It's the best. Uh, it's their best chance too. Like yeah, they have well, to do an offense at that time. Yeah, it's not even a chance. It's like, well, we at least can have a chance. You know, there's a possibility of surprising them and taking more of them with us, attacking them than them attacking us. Yeah, that's basically it. So they're about to die, and so they're like, well, Drax, you might as well play us out. Now, has Drax always been a sax player, or just new? Drax is human. Per when Drax was human, he was that was his job. He was a he was in a band. He was a saxophone player. Oh, I'm guessing in the last Guardian series they've been maybe mer touching more on his human part because it really has been much with Drax himself. That's what Arthur Douglas used to do, which is but you know the man who died and became Drax. Got it. <laughs> but I like how it surprises all the Chitari. The Guardians have their own Homer Doom, and it sounds much better than ours. They're a little silly. Well, it puts down better. It's an actual saxophone. Their horn is just one of those big things that just goes. Ooh. Yeah, but that's supposed to put like fear into the heart yeah. of their enemies. But like they said, they have their own horn. It sounds better. You know, they're not saying it doesn't you know puts more or less fear, but it's like that's nice. That's a better sound. <laughs> I like the one that says it sounds much better than ours. He's like pausing from punching out one of the raptors. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, ooh, ooh, that sounds better. I guess they're not too worried. I guess they figured they won the fight, you know. Exactly. So they can have, like, a casual conversation yeah. about a saxophone. And so Nova shows up, and it talks about the whole mind over matter thing, and Peter actually gets an idea. Yeah, he's kind of smart here. Yeah. What he says here goes right back to the beginning. If you go back to the beginning part where they talk about the different stones. Mm-hmm. It says, where is it? Power stone. Powered by the user's mastery of mind. And what does Peter say? My mind has power over the stone. Ah. At least since they've changed the stones, the they're actually acknowledging that the stones are changed. You know? They're mm. not pretending this is the way the stones always were. So they don't need that other stone to help use that. They don't need the mind stone to help power the power no they just need he, to use their mind yeah it's just the thing is that it formed the, the stones when together form a loop so the mind stone makes your mind more powerful and therefore you're you're able to use the power stone more powerfully uh yeah that makes you sense know? and then because if you follow that loop there then space powered by the user's mastery of power so the more power you have, the more you can use the space stone now. So now if you have the mind stone, your mind's more powerful, you're better with the power stone, you know, you're better able to use the power stone, 
and you're better able to use the power stone, you're better able to use the you know the space stone. See, that makes sense. I wasn't so that's, getting that totally. Yeah. So that's how that works, is that when you have more than one stone, one helps you use the other one more powerfully. And if you have all six, it makes them more infinitely powerful. The soul stone is powered by the reality stone. How do you use re- your reality to power a, the soul stone? I don't know. I can understand you having the reality stone and you use that to power it. But how do you use your personal reality to power the stone? That's the question I hope they answer. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's about your own perceptions of reality. Either do you have a better perception of reality or maybe are you more in tune with with reality or even more able to accept reality? So, for instance, maybe somebody who is crazy would have a harder time, who has a harder time, you know, somebody who has a hard time distinguishing reality from fantasy, like somebody who has a mental imbalance. What color is the sky in your reality? Yeah, it's a genetic quirk in the uh, Claven family that we all have two extra teeth. You see, that's the only way that we can prove that we are the rightful heirs to the Russian throne. (laughs) Hello in there, Cliff. (laughs) Tell me, what color is the sky in your world? Yeah, maybe that they would have a harder time using it. That makes sense. That's a good answer. But either way, it works, and now the Power Stone is handheld. And I do like this one page. It, it, it's a nice-looking page, I think. I'm not there. Where he shrinks the stone? Yes. It's, yeah, it's cool. I think it's a good look. It, it's just, I mean, it's not like there's a lot of stuff on it. It's just a well-done well page. I don't like his face so much. He's <laughs> got a stupid-looking face. But I, the concept of it is cool. Yeah. But of course, Warbringer's not happy, and but he's too late. Yeah. You want to attack them before they get the stone in their hands, not after, because now Peter's like, just backhands him. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And then he throws, but this is awesome, I love this, only in comics. Throws a stone to Drax, to Drax's saxophone. I can kind of understand, like, yeah, the power of his, you know, music. Well, well, it's like a, it's like Ban- it's like Banshee now. It's a sonic blast almost. Yeah, exactly. Beats them all up, but now they're like, uh, the Power Stone was the one hankering this whole planetoid together. See, planetoid, T O I D. Now they give Nova, Richard Ryder, the Power Stone, so his now he'll be powerful enough to take everyone away. Yeah, that was cool. I, I like this thing of using of like flipping a Power Stone back and forth to who needs it the most. Yeah, that was cool. That was uh, that was well written. I like that too. That was a great te- that was a great team moment. It'd be kind of like a cooler episode if you see like I know the, I know Thanos doesn't have the uh, the Infinity Gauntlet here, but like let's say like or uh, any of the Power Stones, but like let's say just put Thanos because he's always the guy who has it. If he yeah. has like three stones, and they have wait how many stones are there? Six. Six. All right. Let's say there's one's gone. Right. So. Thanos has, like, three stones, and then, like, the Guardians Galaxy have, like, one, and then somebody else has the other. So they're all fighting. They're fighting Thanos, two against three, kind of, but yeah. difference. That's a cool fight. You that know? could be cool. Yeah. Especially if you have, like, somebody with Guardians tra- trading the stone back and forth. Yeah, throwing it back and forth, using strategy and whatnot. Because, like, once somebody has all stones, then it's, like, you know, it's... It's really, like, no contest. You really don't have to think about what you're having them do. I mean, you could have them do some cool stuff, but they can just go, go away. 
and have them just go away. Yeah, he's only engaging them because he feels like engaging them. Yeah, as opposed to here where it's like, hey, Drax, you're using your saxophone here. Sonic Blast. Yeah, it's cool. Because it's not like that's Drax's power. It's just because he has a saxophone. But yeah, I, I like that. So they fly away, and Rocket's like, okay, that's it. Screw these other rocks. This is stupid. Pe- these rocks make people stupid. I don't want to be involved in this. I don't blame them. It says, mark my words, people are going to die because of these dumb rocks. And then we find the Silver Surfer again, asking somebody for help. Galactus the Lifebringer. Golden Galactus. Because remember now, Galactus is the way he's apparently supposed to be, which is to bring life to dead planets. And that's what uh, Captain Marvel did? She was one of them. In in the Ultimates, that was the book. Uh, She's one of the people in it, yes. What'd they do to him? I mean, Uh, how'd they change him? I think they basically... I forget. It's been a while since I read it, but basically the thing was supposed to be that Galactus was woken up... When Galactus is in hibernation at the beginning of the universe... Because remember, Galactus existed before our universe. Yes. And it was supposed to be like, he's like in hibernation, ter- changing from the man he was to what he's suppo- what he becomes here in the Marvel Universe. Mm-hmm. And I think he got taken out of that early. And they're saying, that's why you're consuming planets. You weren't done cooking. Oh, so basically, God. they find a way to finish have him finish cooking. And now he's bringing life to planets. But the surfer is asking him, we need your help. We need you to destroy a planet again. Should be that difficult. I don't know, kid. You know, we'll find out. I mean, he doesn't even have to eat it, right? He can just destroy it. Oh, he's he's asking, will you consume one world to save the entire galaxy? And that's where we end up. He still looks like Skeletor from Master of the Universe movie. Galactus. Yeah. Well, you know, the sense. end of, in that in that movie when Skeletor gets all the powers of uh, yeah. What's her name? The Sorceress. The Sorceress. And he becomes like Golden Skeletor. Mm-hmm. Well, it makes sense he looked a bit like Galactus. Why? Because the, the, the people who created the He-Man movie admitted that one of the influences on them was Jack Kirby. Who created Galactus. Yeah. Now we're done with Infinity Countdown 3. It's time for the Infinity Countdown Captain Marvel special. Let's be quick with that. So let's just get right into putting the synopsis up so people know what's going on. And then we will talk about it. Infinity Countdown Captain Marvel. Writer, James McCann. Artist, Diego Olartigu. Colors by Eric Arcaniga. Letters, Virtual Calligraphy and Clayton Cowles. Editors, Annalise Bissa, C.B. Sabolsky, and Jordan D. White. Cover art by Inhoyuk Lee. Cover dated July 2018, on sale date of May 30th, 2018, with a cover price of $3.99. Reprinted in the Infinity Countdown Companion trade paperback and digitally on Comixology and Marvel Digital Comics Unlimited. No challenge is too great for former Air Force pilot turned superhero Carol Danvers. She's come a long way since an incident with alien technology left her with amazing powers. Captain Marvel commanded the Alpha Flight space station miles above the planet, where she and her crew defended the world from intergalactic threats until its destruction. Now, Captain Marvel continues the fight from Earth, where she recently acquired the powerful Reality Stone. Captain Marvel is fighting against Blastar from the Negative Zone, but the cost of victory was a major amount of damage in the middle of New York City. 
She uses the Reality Stone to talk to other Captain Marvels throughout the multiverse, but is overloaded with information. She is then able to use it to psychically travel to several different universes to learn the lessons those other Captains can teach her. Arriving back home, before Blaster attacked, she is able to use the lessons she has learned to take him down quickly and without the damage from before. And now's the part where we talk about it. Let's talk about it. All right, same so, writer? Is this the same writer that's been doing everything? Jim McCain? No, no, that was Jerry Duggan doing the Infinity Countdown. Um, Jim McCain is doing is is just doing the Infinity Countdown Captain Marvel. Oh. Uh, do you know him? Not to the top of my head, no. Oh, uh, okay. What about this artist? Diego or nope. Yeah. Okay. Alright. No clue who they are. Got it. Alright, so I mean not much happens in this one shot. I think this is and this isn't a miniseries, it's just a one shot. I think it's just mainly a way for if anyone's reading Infinity Countdown, they don't really know who Captain Marvel is. Because she's yeah. gonna play a bit more of a role in the next, in some of the other issues in Infinity Wars. It's probably a way just to show them this is who the character is. Yeah, I see that, but they like they leave more questions than like answers. All right, well, what's your questions? Let's go through them. See well, we, we gotta go. We gotta go through the scenario when we get to the part. Trust me, you'll see. Okay. Well, first of all, I think they made a mistake. Yeah. In the printing, because on that page where it says what the Infinity Stones do and like who's use, you know, who's holding them. Mm-hmm. If you notice, pretty much everyone is like in black. Oh, Captain Marvel's in color, but like the other ones are in like gray. Because they're not in it. Okay. Except, but it doesn't look like the, except for Turk. Yeah, his stone is blacked out. His stone is gray. But, but the panel for him color. is... Yeah. So I think they made a mistake there. So when I was skimming through this, I'm like... When I was rereading this, I was, I was thinking, he's in this? I don't remember him being in this. Really? Though, the thing is that, like, Captain Marvel is not really in color, though. She's mostly in gray. Well, no, it's a blue. It's a. It's. It's more of just a blue tone. It's mostly blue used there. Oh, uh, you know, I'm kind of colorblind, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to me, sometimes blues and grays look the same, so it looks kind of gray. Like it looks it's like a darkish a blue. Yeah, it looks like I see the all I see of color is uh her her right um boob. <laughs> it's like yellow. You know, it has the yellow stripes. Mm-hmm. and red but the left side doesn't have it there's no color on that left side no it does yeah. it's supposed to be she's in like a dark room and the only light there really is the lightning bolt behind it well that's not colorblind sensitive so I don't appreciate that <laughs> anyway possible mistake maybe a hint about yeah, Mr. not Kirk. a big deal just something I noticed Yeah. story starts off with her fighting Blastar who's Blastar Blastar works for Annihilus. He he lives in the negative zone. Okay. He's a super, he originally was a Fantastic Four villain. Oh, okay. That's why they said that he's more powerful in the negative zone. Okay. Yeah. That makes so sense. Having some issue taking him down, and she's using the Reality Stone because, like we said before, it looks like the Reality Stone has now been found by in each universe by all the different Captain Marvels. Yeah. Well, all the different Captain Marvels or all the different people that have the Reality Stone? It, pretty much everyone they're showing here is a Captain Marvel. 
They're not all Carol, but they're all Captain Marvel. Oh. Yeah, I guess so. There's different (laughs) versions of her. There's versions of her with uh, Quasar's powers, but I guess still calling herself Captain Marvel, probably. There's different versions of the original Captain Marvel, the alien Marvel. Uh, the second cap, the second Captain Marvel, Monica, the um, the one who became, you know was in the Avengers, and also different versions of uh, Marvel's son. Cool. Okay. Oh, oh, and also, and also, there was another Captain Marvel, Philavel, who was the original Captain Marvel's daughter. She's probably the one that says throw him into another dimension because she had Quasar's powers and had a sword for a while. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, and also because she was dating Moondragon. And look who it looks like Moondragon standing next to her. No, I don't see that. The one who says throw him into another dimension? Let's see. Throw her in. I was looking at the different. Throw her. Oh. Okay. Yeah. There's a bald woman wearing green next to her. That's Moondragon. So they're all giving her advice of how to deal with Blastar. Is this Captain Marvel lesbian? Well, that one. Uh, which one? The one that in the story. The main, the main one, not that I'm aware of. Carol Danvers. This Carol Danvers. Okay. Not that I'm not aware yet. of. Because she was involved in a relationship with uh, War Machine, Rhodey. They were together. Oh, okay. I think he's dead now in Marvel, so obviously she's not dating him anymore. Why is he dead? I don't know. I didn't read Civil War Two yet. Oh, I should know that. I read it. <laughs> so, so, so the story basically is just her. Oh going wait, to- I think he drops. I think he's like. Um, no, wait. That's probably the movie. Yeah, that's what happened to him in the movie. <laughs> that's the movie, right? It's, it's flying and he's flying, and then like his he gets pal- shot like, and half falls. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that I don't remember. Basically, it looks like the issue is her going through different altered dimensions, talking to the Captain Marvel there, and getting kind of like a perspective on her life and her decisions. Yeah, but she can't make a decision. She's got like too much information. It's like analysis by paralysis, or paralysis by analysis. Exactly. She was getting too much info because she's asking everybody around the multiverse, hey, what to do? And they're all giving her different answers. And she's like, well, wait, now that's too much. Too much. So this first, re- all- now I checked, it looks like all of these different alternate realities, they first appear here. So these are not existing alternate universes. I don't get it. <laughs> well, what part don't you get? I'm not sure what it is. All of it. <laughs> all right. They're so- not existing realities? They weren't pre-existing. They didn't exist. In other words, they're not taking them from like what ifs or whatever. Or whatever. They're all. This is all the first appearance of all these different alternate you know, alternate Earths. Oh, so like uh, Earth, they never had a. They never mentioned an Earth six six nine. Not until this issue. Okay. It's the first. So it's not that they're not there. I mean, they've always existed. Yeah, that's what. The, maybe I just said it wrong. But yeah, it's not that these are not pre. When I say pre-existing, I mean as in they weren't shown before. Got it. You know, these are not universes from like what if, like all the what, because all the issues of what if, if you look them up, they they'll show you like which Earth each one takes place on. Do they tell you the number and all those what ifs, the the number Earth and whatnot? Not in the what ifs, but later oh. on they have been given Earth numbers. Got it. You know, so that way, especially if they ever go back to those Earths, they can say Earth whatever number first seen in what if number four. That's what I meant. These are not realities that you could read about anywhere else. They've only appeared here. Got it. And the first one has an alternate ending to Civil War II, where it looks like she gets killed. 
Yeah, that made sense. I followed that because I kind of remembered that. Yeah, I didn't read Civil War two yet, so I don't know anything. I don't. I only know the bare things about it. Doesn't make you like her in Civil War two. She's too. Um, um, she's more like so. She's basically taking the role of what Iron Man had in the original Civil War series. Not the yeah, movie. but Iron Man, you could kind of like. I could kind of. Uh, they make you like understand Iron Man's situation, you know, and you know I kind of understand what, what I, why Iron Man made that decision. This one, she's just like there's no there's no empathizing with her decision. She's just really like pigheaded and be like, no, no, it's got to be this way. And Iron Man's just asking questions, and and he and she's like, no, no, I don't care. Well, I don't so, haven't read it yet, but I do. Yeah. I, I've seen a lot. That's of what people, I remember from it. Yeah, I haven't read it yet, but I have seen a lot of people who are fans of the character saying that Civil War Two was not her best moment. No, you know, it, they were not happy. Like with. The a lot of people didn't like it. Yeah, that's the most I've read from her, and so it really made me not like her. Yeah, she doesn't seem to be that way normally, but here she almost gets killed, and then we go jump to Earth one oh seven seven four. Where she's not kept, she's not Captain Marvel. Monica is. Yeah, that's Monica Rambeau. She was Captain Marvel in the Avengers in the early eighties, in well, all the eighties, basically. She has light power. She has light powers. And where was Carol Danvers at this time? Deep powered or binary? She was was binary. Oh, okay. All right. And remember, she wasn't. She was only Miss Marvel then. She was never. She wasn't Captain Marvel until like two thousand eight or five or something. Yeah, you're right. You know, so technically, so Monica is actually the second Captain Marvel. Why is there a million of her? She's using reality gem. Oh, She's yeah. Made, yeah, bringing all like versions of herself in like mole seconds in the you know the future. Because this is based on uh, House of M. Did you read House of M? Yeah, and I remember them talking about it, and they're saying that she was the most powerful, uh, like the. She was the number one hero. She was yeah. Like, she was like their Superman. And I believe that's what led her to becoming Captain, taking the name Captain Marvel, because she decided she wanted to, after House of M, she was one of the people that remembered it. She wanted to try and, she was using that as, an, as a way to uh, make herself be better. She's like, I was better there. I could be better here. But apparently in this version of reality, because Carol was an alcoholic. And years, that was years before House of M. That was like in 1998. But she got into recovery, like Tony mm. Stark. He actually helped her. Apparently, I guess the difference here is that by the time that she never went into recovery, so by the time House of M started, she stayed an alcoholic, I guess, and Monica decided to be better. So she's seen herself making bad choices. Yeah. Okay. And now next we go to Earth 9289. Which kind of confuses me a bit. Yes, this one really confused me, too. So apparently... I mean, I'm not, this has to do with her and Rogue. And how I guess she, like, I guess Carol fought more when Rogue touched her and took her powers and memory. Mm-hmm. And so what, did it take... Did it I, take Rogue's powers and memory? I'm a little confused. I thought maybe... Rogue and Carol switched almost because 
the, I mean, the one who's looks who's wearing the Captain Marvel outfit, but with but has like also looks like Rogue with the hair. You know, when our when our Carol says, "I hated you," she's the one that says, "I know. I looked at your reality too. If it makes you feel better, you still hate me here." So I could believe that somehow they got switched, almost like a body swap. But then, why does the Carol Danvers, who's in Rogue's body, speak with the accent? Oh, I was gonna say the accent, but then again, she only she only says that in quotes when she says, "Still trying to find my real self." Oh yeah. So. It's a little, still a little confusing, but I think that's what it's supposed to be. I think somehow they got swapped completely. Let's go with that. Yeah. So Rogue is basically Captain Marvel, and Captain Marvel is basically Rogue. And then I think this is the last one they go to. Yeah. Earth 70875. Yeah, explain this to me, too. Well, you know the original Captain Marvel, he died. He died of cancer. I don't understand why he died of cancer. They kind of explain it here, but... In issue 34 of his book, mm-hmm. he's fighting this guy, Nitro. Nitro steals this nerve gas. Nitro, not the Nitro from uh, from uh, Civil War, right? That like yes. blew up. That same guy? Yep. Oh, he's a bad guy. Yeah, he, he's a little, he's a big problem. Yeah. Starts Civil good. War, kills Captain, kills Captain Marvel. But yeah, he steals this nerve gas and it gets opened. Captain Marvel... Like, shuts the canister that the nerve gas is in so it can't escape anymore. But he did breathe some in, and that's what kind of started the cancer. Got it. So, apparently, in this reality, instead, but he was bonded. Remember, he had the whole thing with those Nega bands? He would clang the bands together and he would switch places with Rick Jones. That was around that time? Yeah. Apparently, here it looks like instead of Rick Jones, she was bonded with him. Mm hmm. And I guess he or she switched or didn't switch, and she dealt with the uh, gas. So oh, she's okay. the one. So it caused her to get cancer instead of him. So he's still alive, but she's having cancer. She's dying of cancer. I like the I like the talk she has of him here. You know, she asks, "Did I do what was right?" She's he's like, "None of us are always right." It's like you just do the best you can, and apparently, at least as a, according to these different realities, you made better decisions. Than those yeah. ones. You know, she's not dying of cancer. She's not permanently swapped bodies with Rogue. She's not living homeless and alcoholic. And what was that first one again? Oh, and she doesn't die. Which is good things. Yeah, so she gets a confidence back. And she beats the at a blast star. And yeah, she does use the hint she got from the guy. You know, overload him. Yeah. And now she be- beats it, you know. And happy ending. Yay. Yay. Not bad. I thought it was a good story, even though like I was confused because I didn't really know all all Cal or Danvers stuff. I thought I still thought it was a good story. You know, it goes back over her situation and it kinda uh, kinda explains a little bit better how the reality stone works. Yeah, that's so. a kind of cool way to use it. And like we were talking in the last episode, we were talking about well, you know, like it says real you know, they're fueled by different things and I was saying maybe it makes you know, because it's you know, reality is yeah, start again. You know how we said like the different thing, the different stones are kind of fueled by each other. So maybe, so I guess to explain why, if you have a stone and just the one stone, you can use it, but not as well as if you have all of them. Yeah, because they power them. So maybe the reality stone—that's something you can do without having the other stones—is you can kind of, because she's not really going to other realities. You know, she's like a ghost. Yeah, 
but you can at least kind of visit other realities and I guess talk to maybe the person who has this stone there, you know, but maybe not much more than that without having the other stones to power, you know, the power. So I thought that was cool. And I did like the story now. So basically all you've read of her is this issue and civil war two. Does this help at all with your liking of her? Cause like I said, civil war two, from what I've understood from between you, but also people who are fans of Carol Danvers is not her best moment. No, because no, I don't like her. <laughs> uh, mainly because of Civil War Two. Okay, this so isn't gonna do do anything. It has. It's not enough yet. No. All right, but other, but it was a good issue. Yeah, I liked it. It was a good issue. Well, that's good. At least there's that. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it. That's it for Infinity Countdown, Captain Marvel. And up next, I believe is. No, that's not it. Black Widow. Help if I knew. No. Black Widow. No. No, that's next month. No. Uh-huh. Next is the Daredevil Infinity Countdown Daredevil one shot. Hell yeah! All right, I like that. So hold on a second, and we're and then. Yeah. Oh, I pro- mean, I've read it already, and I know what it's all about. We're gonna yes. do it now. Yes, that's it. So hold on a second. I'm going to put the synopsis in for Daredevil, and then we'll be right back. Right back in two seconds. Infinity Countdown Daredevil. Written by Jerry Duggan. Pencils by Lee Ferguson, Phil Noto, and Chris Sprouse. Inked by Lee Ferguson, Phil Noto, Scott Hanna, and Carl Story. Colors by Matt Yaki. Letters, Virtual Calligraphy, and Clayton Cowles. Editors, Annalise Bissa, C.B. Sabolsky, Devin Lewis, Emily Newcomen and Jordan D. White. Cover art by Clayton Crane. Cover dated June 2018. On sale date of May 16th, 2018. With a cover price of $4.99. Reprinted in the Infinity Countdown Companion Trade Paperback and digitally on Comixology and Marvel Digital Comics Unlimited. When Matt Murdock was a kid, he lost his sight in an accident involving a truck carrying radioactive chemicals. Though he can no longer see... The chemicals heightened Murdoch's other senses and imbued him with an amazing 360-degree radar sense. Now Matt uses his abilities to fight for his city. He is the man without fear. He is Daredevil. One of the Infinity Stones, the Mind Stone, found itself in Hell's Kitchen in the possession of a two-bit gangster named Turk. But Turk isn't the only person in the kitchen with an interest in the stones, and the man without fear might have a thing or two to say about a criminal wielding an object of such immense power in his neighborhood. While in line for security at the courthouse, Matt Murdock sees something. He can actually see a stone, which is on a staff held by minor criminal Turk Barrett. Even weirder than actually seeing something, or why someone like Turk would have it, he watches Turk enter a trial and sees an honest judge set a criminal free. He hits up Josie's bar for info and gets it from Grotto, a disgruntled former friend of Turk's. He tells Daredevil that once Turk found some magic rock that might be able to read minds, his luck changed. Daredevil heads to Turk's new uptown penthouse residence, but Turk starts shooting before he even sees Daredevil. Daredevil, though, is able to overpower him, and Turk tells him everything. While in the middle of a rideshare scam, he accidentally ends up in the middle of some alien cosmic battle. With everyone involved either dead or incapacitated, Turk picks up the glowing rock they were fighting over. It has given him the ability to read and control minds. He has since been using it to make his way up in the underworld. 
putting the powerful in his debt as he uses his new ability to fix things for them, including trials. Not sure how much to believe, Daredevil knows he should at least get this rock away from Turk and to the Avengers, until Turk tells him to forget all about the rock. Unable to see it anymore, realize it's there, or even remember it, Daredevil knows he is outgunned by Turk's men now showing up, and leaves. After dealing with Grotto, Turk has a proposition to offer to Bullseye. When you talk about comics, does it sound something like this? Look, you can't put the Superman number 77s with the 200s. They haven't even discovered red kryptonite yet. And you, uh, you can't put the number 98s with the 300s. Lori Lamaris hasn't even been introduced. Or maybe it sounds a little more like this. You think Mighty Mouse could beat up Superman? What are you, cracked? Why not? I saw the other day he was carrying five elephants in one hand. Boy, you don't know nothing. Mighty Mouse is a cartoon. Superman is a real guy. No way a cartoon could beat up a real guy. Yeah, maybe you're right. Would be a good fight, though. Hello, I am the constantly caffeinated Clinton Robison, and my comics discussions can go to both extremes, but generally fall somewhere in between. On the Coffee and Comics podcast, I will review comic stories and other comics-related topics that can be enjoyed over a cup of coffee. So pour the coffee, or other beverage of choice, and join me on the Coffee and Comics podcast, available on iTunes and coffeeandcomicspodcast.blogspot.com. And now it's time for Infinity Countdown Daredevil, which was just a one-shot, wasn't a miniseries. And this one features the Mind Stone held by Turk Barrett. Do you remember who Turk Barrett is at all, Joey? I remember him in the Infinity Countdown. Okay. Do you remember him from the Daredevil TV show? No. No, I don't. He was in it. I think he might have actually been in the other shows, too. He's like a minor thug. I think in the first season, he's like in episode one or two, he's like selling guns out of a trunk of a car, and Daredevil beats him up. You're side by side, your over-unders, and the classic pump action, all guaranteed to supersede every other on the market. None of these are semis. Oh, what do you need semis for? A couple badasses like you? Whatever this army is, they're planting men by the dozen, Turk. No semis, no deal. Man, I seen you shoot. No semis gonna magically make you have good aim. Saw these off, spread your blast, and thank me later. Because you ain't no deader. What'd you just say? I am going to Google it right now. Because I want to know. I think he was introduced by Frank Miller in the Daredevil series, and he was like a minor thug there. You broke up. Or whatever. I missed all of that. Really? Yeah, I missed everything. He was a minor character in the Daredevil comic, too. He uh, first appeared, I believe, in Frank Miller's run. He was kind of like, Daredevil would fight him every couple issues because he would be like, catch him, you know, robbing something, like robbing an apartment or robbing a store or whatever. It says created by Roy Thomas. Ah, then maybe I was wrong. Oh, uh, wow, well, Daredevil's 69. He goes back further than I thought. I'm looking at some pictures of him in the TV show. They even have him with Daredevil. But, uh, yeah, I don't remember. Anyway. Yeah, but yeah, in the, in the shows, he was in, like, in Daredevil Season 1 and 2. He's in Luke Cage Season 1. He's in The Defenders. He's in The Punisher. He's in Jessica Jones and Iron Fist Season 2. I watched 
almost all those series, and uh, I still don't remember him. Well, he was just a guy, but because I recognize the name, every you know, I paid attention to him. Oh, hold on. I'm going to watch this clip real quick. All right. You do that. I'm going to turn up. My EC went on again. I'm going to turn it off. Oh, it's in a different language. It wasn't in English. Oh, okay. All right, anyway. Yeah, not important. But yeah, so now Turk is, as we saw in the Infinity Countdown issue, Turk has found the mind gem, and now he is living the high life. Yes. All right, so this issue, we get a brief recap of Daredevil's origin. Very brief, one page. That's all you need. Yeah, they do it enough. Yeah, it's like Batman's origin. We don't need that again. No. Or Spider-Man's. Any of those, I've seen them. We get it. We all get it. Google it. (laughs) If you don't know what happened, Google it. Yeah. Watch any movie by any of them. And then, so we're now in present day with Matt Murdock in the courthouse. And I thought this was cool. He says, "I'm, I'm living strange days, but the last thing I expected to happen today was to see anything. Because he sees the stone. Yeah, because I like how they do this thing for his radar sense where, like, everything's in black and white with, like, the radar around it. So it's kind of like he's getting an idea of what, sh- what the shapes are. So he can kind of, you know, t- that's how he sees. But he it's sees not like, in radar. Yeah, he sees the radar. But he can actually see the stone. Yeah. And that's a cool thing. I never thought about that. But that's pretty cool that, like, they're so b- powerful that Daredevil can see them. Now, does he know what the stones are? I don't think so. Like, is does he... What was his role in any of the Infinity uh, stories? Did he have any role in them? Not Infinity Gauntlet. I know he, was, he, he, was he one of the people that disappeared in Infinity Gauntlet? He might have, but I don't recall. But they just... Did, he's not in the, uh, in the fight or, or in the story at all, right? No. Okay. And in Infinity War, because remember, Infinity War is the one with all the evil doppelgangers. And I know the Daredevil doppelganger stuck around for a while. Okay. Again, I have no idea if he even had a clue what was going on. Got it. And so as as far as this is going, he doesn't know what that is. Yeah. Because based on what we see in the issue, he has no idea what it is. No. But he can see it. That is interesting. I like that. That's a, a, uh, what do you call it? Neat neat little... uh, Development. Development. Addition works too. But yeah, that's pretty cool. So I would assume any of the stones he would see. Yeah, he would think. But yeah, but yeah, and he's trying to figure out what the hell is Turk Barrett doing with this thing that I can see. And is that the king? And he's like, and is that the kingpin's old cane? Which is pretty cool. Yeah. Now, do you remember, uh, have you read any Daredevil? Do you know what happened to Kingpin? No, I'm way behind on Daredevil. I've not read that in a long time. Um, I, th- I think he's the mayor. I heard. Oh, kind of doing like a Lex Luthor thing. Right? Yeah, I Lex think Luthor he's the, the ma- king. Yeah, I think he. Yeah, he was a president for a while. President. I think he was. I think he's mayor of New York, but I'm not sure. That's cool. But it's a kingpin, so either he's you know in power or he's out of power. It's one of the two. He yeah. goes out of power, then he gets it back again, then he loses it all, then he gets it back again. It's a never-ending cycle. Yeah. He really should retire. He should get back on top, get all the money, and go, I'm out. 
Yeah, What's invest. Your, invest. You got a lot of money. Invest it. Make it work for you. Anyway, the best part about it is he's trying to figure out. I like how he says about uh, talks about Turk. The high uh, Turk's a low life. A guy who never felt bad for punching in the face. The highest he ever climbed up the ladder is when he took over the terrifying mantle of Stiltman for a while. Who's Stiltman? Stiltman is a daredevil villain who's pretty lame. He has like an armored suit, and the big thing is that the legs raise, so you get taller. It's pretty cool. That's what he does. He gets tall. You know, but not big. It's not like his body gets big, just his legs get really tall. He's on stilts. He could probably, uh, you get the stilts go higher, you could probably, uh, travel far distance in a short period of time, right? Well, depends how well you can lift your legs up. Oh, well. But it's probably good if you're like, are a guy who just wants to like steal stuff high up. Yeah. You're like, I'm going to steal stuff from that apartment building that's like four stories up, you know, or it's eight stories up. Bloop. But yeah, so Turk apparently with the mind gem hears someone think about Stiltman, and he's like, who is that? And Daredevil thinks about the time that uh, Turk actually stabbed him, but didn't know it was him. This, that was during the uh, Born Again story. I thought like, I remembered that. Yeah, when he was kind of out of his mind. He was out of, why was he out of his mind? Uh, he was beaten by the kingpin and dumped in the East River, so he was kind of, uh, and it was winter, so he had like hypothermia or something. He had like a uh. bad... Super bad fever, so he's kind of almost like hallucinating. And then he started a fight with. Well, Turk did at least because he thought Daredevil was a ho- you know Matt Murdock was a hobo because he doesn't know who he is. He just thought he was just some guy he stabbed. Anyway, so we see that apparently Turk. One of the things he does is he's considered a fixer. Like people pay him a lot of money to make sure they don't go to jail because he just sits there and just telepathically tells the judge not guilty, and the judge is like not guilty. That's a nice yeah. little trick. That's a nice way to make yourself powerful. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. You know, he gets paid and also he tells, like, I'm going to need your help. Like, hey, I'll do this for you. You know, you just go to trial and we just go. And the judge says, not guilty. Done. So, yeah, so Daredevil's in the bar trying to find out. And this is the same bar they're always hanging out in in the Daredevil, in the Daredevil TV show. Okay. Josie's bar. Yeah. Because that's the bar Daredevil always goes to to beat people up and get information. And apparently he finds an old friend of Turk, Grotto, who was left behind. And tells him where to find Turk and... Burns his hat. Yeah. And then Turk, let's see, Turk and Daredevil fight. Well, not really fight, Turk. Daredevil just punches him a couple times. And he's like, I'll tell you what happened. So he's doing some, like, uber scam. And all of a sudden, alien ninjas start flying all over. Oh, yeah. Do you <laughs> now, remember this? I have no idea what the hell he's talking about. And for all I know, he wasn't, he didn't know what the hell was going on. So he just was like, uh, alien ninjas. Yeah, that sounds good. Well, it's the scrolls. Yeah. And they said they need to get to the Sorcerer Supreme. So that's, uh, that's, Doctor uh, Strange. Doctor Strange. But then he grabbed the stone and all of a sudden he could read minds. I love it. <laughs> One of the guys is like, hurry up, give this stone to the Avengers. And he's like, all right, sure. And he shoots him. (laughs) Yeah, because he's a prick. And I was like, okay, this is going to the Avengers now. And he's like, nope. He's like, just forget all about this. And Daredevil forgets all about it. Where? Okay, so you have the page where uh, he finishes, where where Turk shoots the guy in the head. Yeah, bam, bam, bam. Oh, bam, one bam. Yeah. 
And then next page, he says, I believe you. Daredevil says, I believe you. Now the stupid rock is going to the Avengers. Okay. And Turk's like, kill the devil, boys. And they try and kill him. Yeah. And he says, always comes down to the two of us, huh, devil? Just forget about my rock. Oh. Oh, so is that why he ran away? Well, because if you look at the next page, he's looking at Turk again with the radar sense. There's no stone there. Oh. Because he doesn't see it. He's been telepathically ordered to forget about it, the Turk to forget about it. So he does not remember at all that Turk has this thing. Oh, I'm so dumb. <laughs> I didn't realize this at all. I was like, why is Daredevil running away? Well, it's not so much running away. It's that, okay, Turk's trying to make some power play for the Kingpin's old role, but that's it. Yeah, but I mean, I, I figured he could have, like, it wasn't, it didn't seem like it would be that hard for him to take the, the, uh, the cane away from him, you know? No. But, so I didn't understand why he was running away, like leaving. But yeah. now I get it. He didn't, <laughs> he forgot about it. Yeah, the cane's nothing. It's just a cane. Who cares? But since he doesn't have any evidence, you know, even if he beats Turk up, what's he going to do? Bring him to the cops? As far as he knows, he'll just get released on bail and that's it. You know, plus he knows Turk has more guys coming up. He can't keep fighting all of them for no reason. So he leaves. Yep. And then Turk has Grotto come up. And kills him for telling Daredevil. Well, he can't be a snitch. And then this is cool. And this will have effects of the next uh, coming up soon. Bullseye. Yeah. And I like Turk's plan here. He's like, Fisk is out of the picture again. The city is ripe for the taking. I have money. I could skip town, retire. But my luck has turned and I want to share my good fortune. I can be the proper boss this city never had. The kingpin ate alone, but I want to set a big table, enough for everyone to have their fill. He's like, but I can't do it alone. And Bullseye's like, I'm in, baby. They all say they're going to share it, but they all get greedy. Oh, yeah, we'll see. But, yeah, no, this is... Now, granted, Daredevil's thing here really has not much to do with anything. But Turk and Bullseye will come back up in future stuff. Cool. So that's really all this did, was just... Kind of, I guess, for anyone who really didn't know who Turk was, to kind of let you know who Turk is. He's an uber scammer. Yeah. Yeah, that's so kind of a scary Be careful. Thought. Yeah, be careful when you're on Uber. Although I don't know if they were actually, I mean, he, I think he was, let me see what it said there. They didn't say Uber, but, you know, it's an Uber uh, type service that he's doing. He's picking people up. Yeah. So it's an Uber. He's an Uber scammer. Yeah. Or, or a Lyft scammer. Or yeah. a, an app driving. A rideshare. Yeah. One of those things where he's like, yeah, I'll pick you up. And then he texts his partner. He's like, go rob this place. Yeah. He's a little fish who's now getting to swim in the big pond. With a rock. But the question is, of course, because it's an infinity stone, how big is the pond? He's at, I don't think he realizes how big the pond is he's actually swimming in. Yeah, he doesn't realize what he's getting involved in. Yeah, he has no idea what a Thanos is. His puny mind can't compute what he's just done. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to be in some trouble, I think. Yeah. All right, so overall, how'd you, I mean, how'd you like it? Like I said, it wasn't really, Daredevil's not really important in this, and Daredevil's not important in the whole Infinity Countdown story anyway. But how'd you like it? It's cool. Yeah. 
Like I said, it does its job. Its job is to introduce us to Turk, and it did. It did. All right, that was Infinity Countdown, Daredevil, one shot. And for our final book this episode, we have Infinity Countdown, Darkhawk, number one. So before we get into that, let me put a real quick synopsis in right here. Infinity Countdown, Darkhawk, number one. Written by Chad Bowers and Chris Sims. Art and colors by Gang Hyuk Lim. Letters, Virtual Calligraphy and Travis Lanham. Editors, Annalise Bissa, C.B. Sabolsky, and Jordan D. White. Cover art, Scan Siruswan. Cover dated July 2018. On sale date May 23, 2018. With a cover price of $3.99. This has been reprinted digitally on Comixology and Marvel Digital Comics Unlimited. Chris Powell didn't know where the amulet came from. All he knew was that when he grasped it, he transformed into a being of great power. When he was young, he used that power to defeat crime, but now he keeps the streets clean as a police officer. It has been a long time since Chris was Darkhawk. The fraternity of raptors recently faced a major defeat in their quest for the stones. Meanwhile, Chris had an encounter that not only reawakened his ability to transform, it connected Chris to Darkhawk armor like never before. In space, at Shi'ar Outpost 4, Talonar, a.k.a. Robbie Ryder, a.k.a. Nova's brother, and the fraternity of raptors are there because the barrier between worlds is weaker. Using the Negabands, Talonar is able to rip open a doorway to Null Space and release the real raptors, who then proceed to kill all of the fraternity members there, except for Talonar. They let him live, to help them destroy the Earth. On Earth, Officer Chris Powell is chasing two criminals, whom he catches, thanks to his powers Darkhawk, though he does destroy the windshield of his squad car. After his shift ends, he is about to take some time off, but not before being accepted into Code Blue, the NYPD's division that deals with superpower criminals. But Chris and his fiancée Miranda aren't going on a romantic getaway. They are headed for the Manhattan branch of Project Pegasus, to have his Darkhawk armor analyzed after some recent changes. He no longer turns into Darkhawk by switching bodies with it. Now his body is completely destroyed, and then reformed into Darkhawk. And vice versa. Besides this new information, he also received a message from Nova, Richard Ryder. Chris wanted Nova's help in getting the space to deal with the Raptors, but that was before Nova found out his brother was one of them. Unable to get into space now, Chris flies around his Darkhawk, frustrated, until he is attacked by the bounty hunter, I mean, freelance peacekeeping agent, Death's Head, who has been hired to bring him to the fraternity. The two fight, until Chris realizes that this will provide him a way to get into space to the Raptors, and surrenders. Alright, Darkhawk. So, Joey, before you reading this, did you have any clue who Darkhawk was? Nope, I had no idea what Darkhawk was, his where his raptor thing is, his tree of uh, whatever is. Never I don't heard of anything. Never heard of any of this stuff. Yeah, you just knew the raptors from the other issues we did. Yeah, that's about it. Okay, so what did you think about this one? I mean, was it good enough to at least tell you who he was? Yeah, it was good. It was a good first. So it was a good introductory issue for him. Yeah, definitely. Because he did have like a 50 issue series back in like 93 to like 97 or something. No, I never heard of him. He's usually in Hell's Kitchen with Daredevil. Is he hanging out with Daredevil? Not that I know of. Uh, as far as I can tell, basically he was there, Darkhawk, in somewhere in New York. I forget where. Back in his old series. Uh-huh. Um, 
And then when the series was canceled, he really had minor appearances. Apparently, at some point, he got older because he was in high school when it started. And now he's a cop. That's cool. He might just be a cop in Hell's Kitchen. He might not be, you know, so much Darkhawk. First thing I have to say, though, is, you know, Darkhawk, I appreciate you wanting to use your powers to stop those criminals. But if you're going to fly after them anyway, maybe park the car and open the door instead of flying out the windshield. Yeah, very disrespectful for all the taxpayers' money. Are we going all the way over there? Are we skipping the... Uh... Well, I guess we'll start at the beginning. Sorry, I was skimming through. We're talking. Making it more difficult on me. Sorry. That's right. So we start off with Talonar. Talonar. Yes, that's Nova's brother. Because you can tell because he's missing half his pinky. Yep. And apparently... What are they doing here again? Oh, apparently there's a... Oh, that's right. So apparently the group of raptors he's in is a part of a wannabe group of raptors. The fraternity of raptors. And when they call up and they they bring out... They, they call up and, I guess, bring forth the real raptors, they kill them all. <laughs> They're like, thanks, losers. So wait, now, when he was fighting... Uh, when he met up with uh, his brother... Um, Nova, yeah. Nova. Was he with the fraternity of raptors or the raptors themselves? The fraternity. He was with the fraternity because the, yeah. the regular raptors are like in another universe or something. Yeah. Okay. This takes place after the other stuff we talked about. Okay. So that's what he's doing. He's trying to channel them. I guess they're trying to be more powerful by getting the real raptors to join them. And by join, apparently the real raptors mean we're going to kill you all. Yeah. Except for him. And he has the Nega bands. Nega bands. The Nega bands. Now, I don't know. I have to check. I don't know if there's only one pair of Nega bands or more than one. Because the Nega bands are what Captain Marvel used to wear. And when he would clang them together, he would switch forms of Rick Jones back in the 70s. But these aren't what the Quasar wears? No, Quasar wears quantum bands. I thought Quasar wore the same bands that Captain Marvel wore. No, because Quasar's bands basically make him like Green Lantern. You know, except it's yellow and comes from the wrist instead of coming from a ring. Oh. But Quasar basically is Green Lantern. He can do all that. You know, he can make all kinds of stuff. And what do the, the Nega bands do? They're, they're Kree, right? Is that they're saying? It's Kree yeah. technology? Yep, they are Kree. To be fair, I'm not really sure what they do beyond... Giving him the ability to switch with, uh, giving Rick, him the, uh, Captain Marvel the ability to switch places with Rick Jones. I didn't even think about that. That's a good question. Yeah. So let's see. Okay, according to the Marvel Wiki, the Nega Bands were created by Supremor of the Kree. They are loosely based on the Quantum Bands, using the forces of the Negative Zone and the Wielder Zone psionic abilities, energies. Uh, the Bands grant the users the following abilities. Increase physical strength. Interstellar flight, the ability to absorb and manipulate various types of energy, increase the vulnerability to physical attacks, survival in the vacuum of space, no need for water, food, air, or sleep, uh, matter, antimatter, force transferal, and some teleportation type and dimensional travel abilities. Cool. So mostly it makes you stronger, more vulnerable, able to fly in space without wearing a spacesuit, and they give you some energy powers. I would love to have those just so I didn't have to sleep. Yeah. Ah, there are only four to six known sets of Nega bands. So 
The first sets. pair four sets. Four to six sets. Four yeah. to six sets. So they're not sure exactly how many, but there's only like, you know, a couple. So Marvel, Captain Marvel had them. His kids, Janice and Philavel, also have a pair. Uh, a fourth set, probably possibly his original pair, were stolen by the Shi'ar to create the Nega Bomb. The scrolls have a set. There's a couple of them around. Not that many, but a couple. You think so they're, they're more powerful good. or less powerful than the uh, the quantum bands? Uh, I think it depends on who's using them. Oh. Because it's kind of like... Uh, I'm trying to figure out who the appropriate character would be, but I guess I'll use... It's kind of like a less powerful Superman versus Green Lantern. Well, who's going to win? Well, it's kind of going to depend, right? Who's a less powerful Superman? Well, like a version of Superman who's not like the old one where he can move planets around and do anything he wanted, and the only thing that hurt him was magic and kryptonite. It's all Superman. So. Superman like could still beat Green Lantern. But a smart Green Lantern could might be able to beat him. Superman's smart. Yeah, but a smart, I'm saying, I'm saying it all, it's going to depend. You know, it's too. I think it's pretty close. Write in if you think Superman can beat Green Lantern, or if you think Green Lantern can beat Superman. I think Superman can beat Green Lantern. Any kind of Superman could beat any kind of you know, uh, what's his name, Clark Kent. Superman can beat uh, any Green Lantern. But more importantly, for more importantly for this conversation, what do you think has the advantage, Nega Bands or the Quantum Bands? Somebody was saying that the that Quasar is like ridiculously powerful that he like stood toe to toe with Galactus before. Um, so. I believe he did. Yeah, Quasar is incredibly powerful. So, because he's the remember he's the protector of the universe, the whole universe. Yep, that was his job. Where was he during Secret Wars? He was not Quasar yet. Oh, well. I believe at that point he might he might have had powers, but he didn't know what kind of powers they were, and he wasn't made protector of the universe yet. So, wait, he was Quasar or he wasn't Quasar? He, I don't think I don't know if he had the name Quasar yet. He might have been called Marvel Boy, and he probably had the bands by Secret Wars. Wait, which Secret Wars are you talking about? The the uh, most recent Doom one, Doom God, Doom God, Secret Wars. He might have been. Oh, I, I think all he the was. I think he was dead. Oh. Because he's been Quasar since I know since uh, yeah I mean I mean there's been a Quasar since uh, Infinity Gauntlet when he lost yeah. his hands. Yep, he was dead I think for a while. He's back now. Oh, okay. That'd be cool to be in the Marvel universe or DC universe or yeah where you can die and eventually you'll come back. I wouldn't even have a funeral. If like somebody died in the Marvel universe, if I was in the Marvel universe, I wouldn't even have a funeral. I'd be like, he'll be back. You need a costume. Yeah. Or to be related to, or to be involved in a hero's personal life. Yeah, I just have to get. I have to be like the sidekick or something. Or like, just involved. I, like if you're, if you know Peter Parker, there's a pretty good chance that even if you die, you're gonna have a clone. Yeah. Something will happen. Yeah, I don't mean like a sidekick, like super powered sidekick. I mean like. Sidekick, like, uh, what's the tubby guy that's friends with Daredevil? Foggy. Foggy, yeah. Or Rick Jones. Yeah, Rick Jones has to do a lot, though. I'd rather be Foggy. But without, yeah. like, the, without the lawyer job. <laughs> that was even in, um, what is it, Final Crisis number one, when they killed Martian Manhunter. At his funeral, Superman said, you know, we pray for his soul and also for a quick resurrection. 
Did he really? Was he joking? I think he was serious. He's like, we was like, let's hope that he comes back. Come on, that's that's what happens, people. We all died. Raise your hand if you haven't died yet this week. Ah, Batman, you loser. Get out of here, Bruce. Breaking your back doesn't count. No, no, you didn't die in this crisis thing. Darkseid just sent you back in time. You were alive. Yeah, you never died. You don't know what it's like. Yeah, you're no. not in Wonder this Woman, Get you're allowed out. to hang out. Yeah. All right, all so. Right, so anyway, so yes, back to the topic. So the, the real raptors kill all the fraternities except for uh, Talonar. Talonar. And is that what what uh, Darkhawk is wearing? He's wearing one of the suits of the, the Raptors. Yeah, basically he ha- Basically, there was a renegade Raptor who's more or less good, and he kind of bonded with him a bit. Got it. Apparently, they're gonna kill. They kill all the fake Raptors except for Talonar because he's one of the Nega bands, and they want him to help destroy the Earth. I was kind of relating with. Uh... Talonar for a little bit. I'm like, all right, I get it. You know, the uh, the Novas did left them to die. Yeah, and this group saved them, so he's with them. But now he's gonna wants to kill the whole Earth, which is a little extreme. Like, like, dude, your parents are there. Yeah. Like I, I live on Earth. I didn't, I didn't abandon you. Well then, uh, can you destroy the Earth? Egad! I hope not. That's where I keep all my stuff. Yes, of course it is. Now we jump back to Earth with Darkhawk, or in his real ver- uh, human form of Chris Powell as a cop, chasing down some suspects in his car. And, okay, smart move. You know, if you're a cop, but you do have superpowers, hey, it doesn't hurt to use them to make sure you can apprehend these guys without you or anyone else getting hurt. I can't yeah, argue we, with that. We all pay taxes here, people. Yeah, Chris, you don't need to fly through the windshield. That, cool as it looked. Yeah, that windshield probably cost more than the ATM money. Yeah. Now, blasting their car in half, that's fine. But they probably stole that car. Yeah. Well, we don't know for certain. And he's got to stop them. So I'm fine with doing, you know, you're going to have to do some damage to that. I can't argue that. I'm more, I'm more concerned with him destroying the windshield of the police car he's driving. It's all going to the taxpayer. And also, they were driving on the sidewalk. So I'm fine with him destroying, blasting the car because he wanted to get them off the sidewalk as quickly as possible before some little kid doesn't realize and jump, you know, walks out of his door. Because there's only a few people walking around in the middle of New York City. I'd like to know how they have so little people and so little cars on the street in the middle of New York City. They could... You try to have... This car chase in the real New York City, and it's going to be a lot different. It's going to be in bumper-to-bumper traffic. All right, well, here's one thing I'm going to say. We get to the part of him stopping the crooks, Yes. Now, what's the next page say? It says, later, Later. and he's talking to the desk sergeant, who says, heard you had some some help out there last night, Crips. I'm wondering, especially since he's younger— is he on night? So was that like four in the mor- three, three, four in the morning, and now he's leaving work at like seven a.m. Oh, is there no traffic at that time? Well, I'm not saying there's no traffic, but there's always going to be a lot less traffic at three, four in the morning than there will be at seven o'clock at night. Yeah. So Makes maybe sense. he's 
Maybe he does overnight. I like that. You better watch out. That Darkhawk's been so busy around here, he's likely to put you out of work. Ha, Captain's going to beat him to it if I wreck another squad car. So he's done this before. Stop breaking the cars. Very disrespectful. And we see Lieutenant Stone. Lieutenant Stone's an existing character, by the way. He's not new. I figured because I showed, like, you know, him in the past fighting some hairy man. Well, look at the rock troll. Of course. Yeah. Basically, it's kind of like their superpowers version of the cop. They're like superpower SWAT. You know, you call in SWAT for certain things, and then if people, the criminals have superpowers, you call in cold blue. And they deal with them. So they get, like, special equipment and stuff to deal with, you know, Dr. Octopus and the Vulture and stuff. And we get the, so he's going to Project Pegasus to get some testing done on himself. Because he transforms into Darkhawk. But apparently he doesn't just transform. Like, the way the show, the comic used to be was that he would teleport. Like, it was on, like, one body switch, like Captain Marvel and Rick Jones. But here, apparently, it's it's like the body is destroyed and rebuilt. Yeah, it's kind of creepy. Well, that's also kind of like the way teleportation is supposed to be in Star Trek. Yeah, that's why I wouldn't teleport. It's not a because it's not a copy and paste. It's a cut and paste. Yeah, that's true. That's a good analogy. Yeah, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't be. Uh, I wouldn't be. What's his name? Not Darkhawk. Wouldn't do that. Yeah. It's like I die. You're saying I die. And um, see, this is the part now. So we get to the part where Nova calls him. And this is how we know this takes place after the Infinity Countdown issue. Yeah. Because he knows he knows his brother's there, and that's when he found out about his brother. Yeah, he's like, to get at it, don't don't you worry. I got this covered, my yeah. brother. You Cause stay Chris, there. Cause, yeah, because Chris, that's uh, Dark Rock's real name, Chris Powell, wants to go out there to find the Raptors and stop them. And but doesn't nope. he want to go on vacation as well? I don't understand. I thought he was going on vacation with his, with his girlfriend. Uh, I think that was a lie to the boss so he doesn't instead of telling him i'm gonna use my superpowers as darkhawk and i want to go off into space and fight these space armies oh okay all right sometimes civil sometimes you know what with uh civil service jobs it's a lot easier to get time off if it's personal reasons as opposed to a side job they don't get paid for yeah got it yeah they might not like the idea of him moonlighting they're like no 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 Uh, okay we're just going to uh disney world oh have fun but yeah, so now Chris has no way to get off planet, and he's upset. Flying around, and then all of a sudden he's blasted. By Death's Head. Yes. Have you ever heard I, this guy before? Oh yeah, he's a Marvel UK character, but he's been around in the Marvel stuff a lot. Oh, he he's, is, uh, he's English? Yes, he's an English, yeah, he's created by, he's created by Marvel UK. He is fun. Yeah, he was funny, I liked him. Yeah. I'm a freelance peacekeeping agent. That means he's a bounty hunter. Yeah. You're Darkhawk, right? <laughs> so is that a mask he's wearing? No, no, no. He's like a robot. Oh, really? Or android or something. I forget. No, no, He's a robot. That's it. But a sentient robot. A sentient robot. Who cares about money? It's so silly. I know, but is he awesome? Yeah, he is awesome. He's like Lobo if Lobo was a bit more fun. Yeah, he was really funny. He was the best part of this of this issue. Yeah. Yeah. So they fight. Yeah, yeah. Actually he put Darkhawk put it the best way. A killer robot with the mind of a used car salesman. 
But the, I like this. They fight until Darkhawk realizes, wait a minute, you want to take me into space, right? Well, yeah, let's go to space. Yeah. There you go, I surrender. Uh, I like okay. it how he gets mad at him for not... I, t- I told you to stop! <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm trying to kill you, so <laughs> I'm not really going to listen to you. It's not a game we're playing. Yeah. But he does stop. <laughs> so you're going to the Fraternity of Raptors, where I want to go. Okay, let's go. Which is awesome, because obviously there'll be more dead tech. But we're not... Are we, is there... Yeah, there's five issues. So, okay, so it's more... more I really don't like his name, though. That's head. That's the stupidest name I've ever heard. Yeah. What can we call him? Does he have a like? He doesn't have an actual name, right? Because it's not a person. Not, not that I'm aware of. I think that's his only name. All right, let's just call him Deadhead. Deadhead. <laughs> okay. He really likes. He, he's a big Grateful Dead fan. Right? Isn't that what they call uh, Grateful Dead fans? Deadheads. Deadheads. Yeah. 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 Let's call him Deadhead. I'm looking him up real quick. See if there's a name. You could play. Um, what song can you play? That uh, that cocaine song by Grateful Dead? It's the only song I really like by them. Riding that train, high on cocaine. Casey Jones, better watch your something. Trouble with head, trouble with <laughs> Yeah, so Death's Head. Yeah. That, and that's that, what the issue is. Deadhead. 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 And that's yeah. where it ends with Darkhawk going, okay, I'll go with you. Yeah. So this one was fun. Yes, it was. I'm going to download the next episode right now. All right, are we doing all, we're doing all five? What do you mean? All five uh, Infinity Countdown Darkhawk issues? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to get to those. Yeah. I mean, you can read it whenever you want. That's not the next thing we're recording. I know, it's my choice. Yeah. But yeah. an adult. Casey Jones, he's better. Watch your speed. Trouble ahead, trouble behind. And you know that notion just crossed my mind. I have to admit, not a big fan of The Grateful Dead, but that's not a bad song. Anyway, before we get to the end of the episode, time to do the feedback. This time we are talking about the Doyle mini-episode, which was the little episode I did about passing my little buddy Doyle. On Facebook, the episode was liked and shared by Kim Sedano, yes, my wife, Jesse Starcher, Tina Rippey, Tom McCauley, Tim Price, Bill Bear, Gene Hendricks, GeekPod, and Sean Konsolink. When they shared it, both Jesse and GeekPod made some comments on it as well. So Jesse, who is the host of the Source Material podcast, said... Sometimes important events happen in our life, and as a fellow podcaster, I believe it helps to set aside the regularly scheduled programming to talk and share. Al did a good tribute to his fur buddy on this episode. And GeekPod said, Be sure to support my good friend Al and give this touching tribute a listen. Be sure to have tissues handy. Thanks guys, I really do appreciate it. And also the other things they said to me, not on the episode about Doyle's passing. On Twitter... The episode was liked and retweeted by Tim Price, Jason Snick Venable, Magars Marvel, Todd Schoonover, and Doc Strange. Besides that, of course, it's time to thank a few of the people who follow us on Tumblr. So thank you to Cult of Dope, Jason Om, Kynex for Phoenix, 
Claude Delang 94 and Team Knapsack. But there's more feedback than just that. We have an email. Actually, I have three emails. I'm only going to read one today because I like to at least have something for the next two episodes. But don't worry, David. I will be reading your ep- your emails very soon. But right now, we are reading the email from Kati Pinheiro. Subject title, A Humble Fan's General Thoughts and Some Comments on the 100th Episode at Stupid O'Clock in the Morning. Okay, this is a bit of a long email. They've been admitted in the email it's long. What I'm going to do is respond to it as we go along. First off, congratulations, Al, on reaching this milestone. I've been meaning to show my appreciation for this entire enterprise ever since I randomly stumbled upon it a few weeks back. With the release of this wonderful double feature at the 100th episode mark, what better occasion to finally take some time, sit down, and express some well-deserved praise and my gratitude towards it. I apologize in advance for the lengthy email. Here goes. On a general note, what I enjoy the most about the show is the almost panel-by-panel discussion of these issues. I like to follow it along with my own copies, or just listen to it while I'm doing some drawing so the long running time of the episodes is perfect for me. I love how it's both insightful and entertaining, great for both veterans of these comic book universes and rookies like myself. As someone who's only recently dived more deeply in the Marvel Universe, Mr. Jim Starlin's fault actually, it's great to listen to what the climate of the industry was like, and the whole history behind these comics and the people involved as you go through them. The Thousand Clowns issue is great for that as a whole layer previously hiding in shadow opened itself to me. It's amazing to me how thorough and complete the podcast is, taking time to focus on the art, panel layouts, storytelling, background, and history, sprinkled in with dramatic readings of speech balloons and fun tangents as well. I may be a bit biased, because as someone who loves dissections of any kind and thinking about why stories work or not, these long-format discussions are right up my alley, and I wouldn't want to sacrifice quality over quantity. Okay, so I'm responding right now to that part of the email. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Wow. Uh, That's actually exactly what I was going for with the show because, well, to be honest, that's the kind of thing I like too. So that's the kind of thing I'm obviously going to do. But I'm glad to hear at least somebody does appreciate that because I sometimes wonder if it's going too long for people. But at least I know there's someone out there who wants the same thing I do. Also, I'm just curious. Now, you said you only recently dived more deeply in the Marvel Universe because of Jim Starlin. Um, Just curious, next time you write in, what was it by Jim Starlin that made you dive more deeply in? I mean, was it reading these issues, or was it something else that brought you, of, of his? Just wondering. All right, back to the email. What more can I praise? Well, I'm really glad you eventually decided to include a few overview on Thanos, and I am super excited to see you tackle his and Warlock's development and growing relationship through the decades. You and Brian said it right, either in your coverage of Infinity Revelation or Relativity. They truly are this great, odd couple, and as I read more of them, they are quickly becoming some of my favorite characters in fiction. Alright, me again? Yeah, and I have to actually say, while I do like the two characters separately, I really enjoy the stories more with the two of them together than separate. I think the two of them add something that's not always there when they're separate. Kind of like Power Man and Iron Fist. They're great separately, but you put them together and it's even better. Back to the email... Seeing an entire podcast dedicated to these two is a dream come true. It's hard to pinpoint what exactly is the appeal of them. I guess there's too many things to list. But there's a certain je ne sais quoi to both that makes them, quote, stand uniquely alone among the heavens, end quote. And as such, complement each other oh so well. It's perfect. Even their skins are complementary colors. I never noticed that. (laughs) Good eye. 
Anyway, to see this kind of work, research and care put into exploring these two fascinating weirdos going issue by issue, talking about all these different aspects to the comics, it's like this show was tailor-made for me. I'm also loving all the co-hosts so far. John, Brian, and your brother Joe bring a little flavor of their own, and these gentlemen are all a joy to listen to. I've only listened to a few random episodes, but just off the top of my head, I distinctly remember Brian's contribution for the Marvel premiere number one episode, for, for example. His Christian background allowed for super interesting observations, and as you and John go through the rest of the run, you three made me appreciate the whole pre-Starlin era of Warlock more even though the execution wasn't all there and the focus gets lost as we go through it. And yes, Kati I, Kati, I agree with you. There was some good stuff in that Warlock run. I did like, for instance, Professor Doom, but kind of lost its way after the initial four issues. And when I say the initial four issues, I mean Warlock 1 and 2 and Marvel Premiere 1 and 2. All right, back to it. Suggestions? I don't know if there's anything really pressing that needs, addre- that needs addressing at least from what few episodes I'd listened to, planning on catching up to all of them eventually. I guess I could say that for the next episodes, I'd love to hear more of those letters readers sent at the end of each issue, since my versions don't include them. They could be a whole lot of fun and give us modern readers a sense of how their work was perceived in the past during its first publication days. They're wonderful time capsules in, the way, in a way. And I agree with you completely, so whenever I have a chance, I do try to include at least one or two letters, if at all possible. Feedback on the 100th episode specifically. John is absolutely correct on the epicness of Avatar The Last Airbender show. It is freaking fantastic, as was his dramatic rendering of the opening during the second half of this episode. This cements his refined taste for the truly good things in life. Oh great, now John's head's never going to fit in the door. (laughs) About the Jack Kirby-Pip connection. Those readers back then were onto something, because there's this two-part interview with Starlin where he confirms that Pip was supposed to look like Kirby. I'll leave the link to it here, and here's also one for part two of that interview. So, okay. Guess so. Or at least supposed to look like Kirby, if not personality-wise. And I will put the links for these in the show notes. Love the entire science lesson on comets, Hercules galaxies and clusters, the nature of black holes, and that goddamn 420 marijuana reference. That was hilarious and totally flew past me when I read it. On that note, as much as I enjoy more grounded and accurate sci-fi, I've also a soft spot for these insane nonsense stories. They don't strike me as offensive or make me angry. On the contrary, if anything, they give off this earnest feeling of the writers being in awe at these out-there concepts and going wild wanting to use them in creative and fun ways. Or maybe they were just high as a kite. Yeah, either one's possible. These stories can be kind of endearing and spur the imagination. It can depend, though. Some can be rather condescending to their audience, but I didn't find that here with the Star Thief. I guess it goes all back to the whole radiation gives you superpowers trope. Is death or slow agonizing decay more probable? Oh yeah. But can the tropes be used for some sweet, effective storytelling? Boy oh boy, you bet it can. I can go on, but these ramblings have gone long enough. So I'll end with a big thank you to everyone involved for all the years of hard work put into the show from all the way across the Atlantic in a tiny quarter of Portugal. Okay, wow, that was an epic letter, and thank you again for sending it. But since it was so long, I wanted to put my comments in as, we, as I read, so that way I didn't forget anything by the time I got to the end. I'm glad you're enjoying it again. I'm very glad that it's what you're look, you, uh, this is the kind of show you like, because it's the kind of show I like. And I'm really glad you're enjoying my co-hosts, because I enjoy having them around as well. Looking forward to hearing more from you. And on that note, if you would like to send in an email, 
resurrectionspodcast at yahoo.com or go to our main Tumblr page, resurrectionsadamwarlock.tumblr.com or on Facebook, follow us there. Just type in Adam Warlock in the search box. We'll pop up. On Twitter, we're at AdamThanosPod. You can talk to us on there. I'm always up for talking about comics. And of course, you can always leave an iTunes review. Wouldn't mind getting another one of those. And I have more emails to read next time. It was the dawn of the third age of comics, 15 years after the rise of the Comics Code Authority. The Bronze Age was a dream given form. Its goal? To portray superheroes in a way that was socially relevant by tackling real-world issues. It's a catch-all, a place to explore monsters, demons, gunslingers, gods, and superheroes alike. Writers and artists wrapped in house styles of sophisticated realism, creating the stuff of legends. There is no assurance of quality, but it's our last best hope for comic books. This is a retrospective of the true golden age. The year is 1970. The name of the podcast, Uncovering the Bronze Age. Tune into our feed for regular content at relativelygeekypodcast.blogspot.com. Also home to the Quarterbin Podcast and the Shortbox Showcase. This show can now be found on Stitcher. In case you don't know what Stitcher is, Stitcher is Radio On Demand, a free app that lets you listen to all your favorite shows, plus discovered from 20,000 others. Available on iOS, Android, Nook, and iPad. Don't have Stitcher? Download it free today at Stitcher.com or in the App Store. Okay, so that's it for this episode. So, Joey, this time we covered Infinity Countdown 3, the Infinity Countdown Captain Marvel one-shot, the Infinity Countdown Daredevil one-shot, and the Infinity Countdown Darkhawk number one. So what did you think about this episode's epi- issues so far? I liked it. I liked this ep- this one. This one actually might have been my favorite. Okay. The main story seems like it's moving somewhere, right? Yes. We've now got off the rock with the Power Stone, so actually we have some progression happening. What about the one-shots? Anyone you liked more than the others? Let's see. Um, do I like any more than the others? I don't think I liked any more than the others. I, I think they everyone had uh, some good uh, backstory to it that like so it gave more yeah it gave more backstory which made the story itself more interesting. There was none that I would say that I was like oh that's stupid or that didn't that was a waste of an issue. Okay, well that's good then at least because that's what you want if you're reading all these things. You don't want to have feel like you're wasting your money. Yeah, at this point right now, I feel like. I- I'm more interested in the the brother relationship between Talonar and Nova, probably okay. and Richard. So that's the thing that's most interesting. You, is I the, think, at this particular point. Well, as of right, right now. now, yeah, yeah. Mostly, you are at the end of ep- next episode. So, what about what story? What part of the story is the one that's least interesting to you? I guess Daredevil, because because you're saying he's not going to be in it anymore. I'm pretty sure no. I think that was it. Daredevil. That was the. That's the end of Daredevil's involvement. Yeah. So. And that's. I don't know how much I care about. uh, Turk. Turk will be in more coming up. Yeah. Well, it's just. I might like it, but right at this point, I'm like, well, what do you mean, no Daredevil? Daredevil's awesome. Yep. I don't think he's gonna be in much more. Plus, you got to meet uh, Death's Head. Yes, I did like that side. He was really cool. Yeah, he's fun. They should definitely put him in a an animated uh, movie or something. 
I don't think he would be good in it. I wouldn't enjoy him in a, in the Marvel uh, movie universe because, yeah, they would just they kind of homogenize all the characters a little bit too much. So he would just be like another. They're all silly. Every silly. Every character is silly. But if they did it like a animated movie, then they can make him really cool. I know he has a miniseries coming up. Cool. All right. Well, that's Who's it. Who's writing it? Uh, oh, God, I forget her name now. I mean, anybody interesting? Anybody you know? Well, she's writing a Thanos miniseries right now. Cool. The first two issues are out. They're pretty good. It's all about Thanos, like, when he first gets Gamora, and, like, his Black Order's with him still, and there's some cool stuff there going on with that. That's cool. Teeny Howard, that's her name. T-I-N-I. Teeny Howard. Yes. Cool. All right, so next time is... uh. Episode 5 of our Infinity Countdown. So we only got two left to go. We'll be doing Infinity Countdown 4, Infinity Countdown Black Widow one-shot, Infinity Countdown Champions number 1, and Infinity Countdown Darkhawk number 2 and 3. Black Widow has a toilet stone, right? Yes. From Wolverine, the space one. The duty stone. It's not the duty stone. The upper decker stone. (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of All right, we'll be back next time, everybody. Bye. Bye. Resurrections, an Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast, is a fan-made production, and no copyright infringement is intended or happening or even understood. The opening music for this podcast is Intro Pompeii by Lino Rise, and the closing music is Dark and Dramatic by DJ Puzzle. Both are licensed by the Creative Commons license. You can find Lino Rise at free-intro-music.com and DJ Puzzle at peaceloveproductions.com. Links to both can be found on the Tumblr page. Okay. Excuse you. What? I just sound like farting, that's why. Oh, the couch. I didn't hear it. Is the couch? Yes. It's your leather couch. Oh, I didn't hear that. That's probably going to happen again, though. I'll try not to move. (laughs) Please put it in there. Don't put it that I farted. Either... (laughs) Either edit it out in some in some way, or put a disclaimer that it's my couch, or say that you farted. Just he's not sitting on a he's not sitting on a couch at all. He's just standing. Well, I had a lot of cheese. Uh, I think I just found the outtake that's going to end this episode. <laughs> That'll be the last sentence in the episode. I had a lot of cheese. <laughs> but I didn't fart. But if I did, it's because I have a lot of cheese. Okay. Back to it. Back to it.